Welcome to the Athletics Prospects to Pros podcast. I'm your host, Chris Burke, joined by Brian Broadus and Dane Brugler, as always. Uh, say hi to our producer, Kent Garrison, behind the scenes as well. We're going to recap the Senior Bowl, uh, which took place Saturday. Obviously, Sunday was a uh, really tough day for a lot of people with the tragic news of uh, Kobe Bryant's death in that helicopter crash. So first and foremost, our thoughts to all of the families touched by that. Uh, and then a mention that if you need... Any of the content you want to read, anything about what's going on out there, um, all our Kobe Bryant coverage on theathletic.com is unlocked for everyone to go check out. Uh, there's been a lot of a lot of incredible reporting and writing done in the past, not even 24 hours. So make sure you check out that. Other thing I'll mention real quick is if uh, you haven't picked up a subscription to the Athletic yet, you can still do so at theathletic.com/prospects-to-pros. That's 40% off there, which gets you access for $2.99 a month. We had a nice little spike in subscriptions last week, so I want to thank everyone who joined up. Hope you're enjoying what you've gotten so far. Uh, Not sure if that's because we had Brian on a couple times or because we mentioned Dane's draft guide. or I know it had very little to do with me, but I'm happy to go along for the ride. So Uh, No, we're a team here. We're a team. (laughs) Glad It's all about us. Yeah. (laughs) Glad to have all our our new subscribers. Uh, Like I said, hope you're enjoying everything. That Link theathletic.com slash prospects to pros does get you Dane's draft guide, which uh, usually comes out sometime like mid April. Is that right, Dane? First, uh, the goal is always April 1st. Um, but okay. you know, after you get all the pro day information, all that first first week or two in, into April. So as soon as I can get it to people, I will. Okay. And like I said, yeah, you get that that draft guide with the subscription to the athletic, and it's uh, for subscribers only. So mm-hmm. uh, if you want to read it this year, make sure you get over to theathletic.com slash prospects of pros, pick up that subscription. Uh, and then as soon as it drops, Dane will let you take a look at it. It's always incredible. I think you said last week you were, what, a, th- a third of the way through? So getting there. Uh, getting slow, there. Slow grind. Yeah. <laughs> we do have the Senior Bowl, the recap. We talked a couple times last week, Brian and Dane. Uh, sort of set up the Senior Bowl. Then we chatted midway through the week after a couple practices. After our last show, we had the the final day of practices out at South Alabama's, I want to say, newish practice facility. Uh, sort of a covered, kind of cool venue there. Got us out of the rain. And then right next to the new stadium they're building on campus. And then obviously Saturday's game, which the North won 34-17. Uh, to 17, We held off talking about the quarterbacks for a little while uh, last Thursday morning when we chatted. Probably a good place to start, especially since Justin Herbert was the game MVP. Had the best week, I think, of all the quarterbacks down there. I don't know if he's solidified himself as QB3 in this class, but it feels like he maybe took a step towards doing that. So toss it op- open to you guys. Uh, Dave, maybe I'll start with you since you were down there with me in Mobile. Just what you thought about his week. I know we talked about a lot of it for him was going to be off the field, but on the field, I think it seemed like it went pretty well. Yeah, I think it went as well as you could uh, hope for for Justin Herbert. There's a lot of a lot of questions about whether he would go or not. He decides to go, and he made the right choice because uh, he had a really good week. And it, more than just the throws, you know, we knew he had an explosive. He's an explosive thrower, so you know the ball shoots off his hand. He looked really good tossing it around, but he was accurate. He was quick. He did a really nice job with his mobility. So he would throw on the run, and these are all things we saw at Oregon. And honestly. My biggest concerns with Herbert were things that I don't necessarily think we could have answered in the practice setting or even in the game. And that, my biggest concerns with him are just when things break down, having that, you know, those spurts of spontaneous genius that we just don't see consistently from him. He's mobile, he can play outside of structure because he has that type of skill set, but he just doesn't, his effectiveness tends to drop outside of structure and, you know, obviously in a practice setting where it's all about structure and things like that, he, he really did shine. And so I think for, you know, uh, some teams and, and remember, again, we talk about this uh, for coaches, this is their first exposure to these guys. And so for a lot of coaches, uh, Justin Herbert made a heck of a first impression. And so that that's, that is a good step for him. Wasn't as good of a week for Jordan Love. It was more kind of what we saw this past year up and down. Um, you know, I don't think he hurt himself uh, by any means. I just don't think he necessarily helped himself as much as, say, Justin Herbert did. Yeah, I think the thing that Herbert and and again, I think Dane did a great job of kind of putting this in uh, into perspective of what Herbert was able to do during the week. 
I think the fact that, that Jim Nagy put him with the Cincinnati Bengals coaches did him a favor. You know, and, and again, with the Bengals possibly looking, holding the first overall pick, have you now created some doubt there? Have you now created some, okay, well, let's, in comparison, the week we've spent with Justin Herbert, do we feel like, though, that the things that we were trying to coach to him, uh, was he understanding him, were they grasping him? You know, do we have a better feel for him? You know, I, I think that now it, it gives Cincinnati a little bit of an, an avenue to kind of explore some other things if they want to. And again, this is, you know, with them holding the first overall pick, you know, the the quarterback debate, maybe for some people is not going to be as strong as I think it's going to be. But the fact that he was able to have a productive week, have a productive game with the Bengal coaches working with him, I, I think that's a real, real positive, not only for for the for that staff, but also for Justin Herbert when he's trying to make his case of uh, where he's going to fit uh, in this uh, this order when uh, when we get down to the that uh, that first round of the NFL draft, and I think important too, just mentioning he and Jordan Love were kind of you know we've sort of been talking about Joe Burrow feels like he's going to be number one, and then Tua is kind of this mystery maybe in the top five, and then there's that opening at QB three, and Justin Herbert and Jordan Love have been the two guys that we've been talking about the most, and I, I mean to me Jordan Love wasn't at Justin Herbert's level this week. I don't think he was bad. Right. He was definitely the the best of the North quarterbacks, although it didn't show up uh, as much in the game because no one could pass protect at all. But, uh, you know, in the practice week, I thought he was the best quarterback, but I I don't think he got up to where Justin Herbert was. So, again, I don't know if, if that's enough to really flip teams if they had Jordan Love above Justin Herbert, but I think it was for Herbert sort of establishing himself as maybe he is that guy, at least in the top 15, because again, once you get past, you know, again, if it's Burrow at one and then someone trades up to three or four to get Tua wherever he lands, there's still a bunch of teams in that next 10-12 grouping that need a quarterback, and Justin Herbert seems like he could be that guy now again. Boys, I'm just going to tell you this. You know, we always talk about Tua – Medicals are going to be huge for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we could we could sit here and talk about, you know, the fact that he could be QB2, and, and, and rightfully so. I mean, he's got that kind of possibility. But we're going to get to Indianapolis, and all of a sudden, we're going to start hearing whispers about medicals, and we're going to start hearing about concerns, and we're going to start hearing about health and all that. And when you're investing in a quarterback, you know, you need to understand where their health is at right off the jump, and especially picking, picking that high. So... Uh, to me, I, I think that, like Dane said earlier, uh, Justin Herbert going to the Senior Bowl, I think was a great thing. I, I really, really do because I think he helped him in so many ways where people see him maybe now in a little bit different light. And maybe there's not that huge gap. You know, we could sit there and say, oh, talent this and talent that. And, you know, but th- trust me, I've sat in that room before. Health is a big concern when you start talking about quarterbacks. There was a shot that one time when we traded for Brett Favre and he had a degenerate hip and the, the trade almost didn't go through because of that hip. So, you know, you, you talk about one of the great players, Hall of Fame players in NFL history, maybe not being part of your organization because of a medical condition. So I, I, I think that to me, this is one of those things that, uh, if people clearly have one over the other, well, then maybe those uh, medical staffs will say, well, not so fast. This is, this is a big, big concern for us. Well, and kind of off of that, I think if I'm Justin Herbert, the story of Justin Herbert during the pre-draft process is if I'm advising him, if I was giving him advice and uh, I would tell him, you need to prove, you need to show that you are the safe quarterback because look, Joe Burrow is going one. All right, no one's going to convince me otherwise until the Cincinnati Bengals go up to the podium and say another name. Joe Burrow's going one, but but Justin Herbert. You don't think there's any chance? No, you don't think there's any zero. chance that Cincinnati changes? I, I really in, don't. In what I, way? Well, okay, I'll, I'll tell you what. The Bengals are the Bengals, and that you know, the Brown family. Exactly. That's that's that, the okay, thing. That is yeah, affair. that's exactly that is, what I'm. Like. <laughs> that is absolutely yeah. fair. That, uh, it, that is a great unknown in the NFL, right there. Yeah. I, again. I, I remember calling them and like, you know, when you talk about trade possibilities, it's oh, like, forget it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Tobin, you know, Tobin looks at you and goes, oh, okay. Thanks for calling. Nice to hear from you. You know, that kind of thing. Now, maybe again, we don't know with a small scouting staff, a coach driven staff, all that stuff. We don't know that. That's, that is the great mystery. Now you're right, Danny. Well, they can just make this pick, move on and here we go. 
But there's also that side of me that believes, yeah, this is the Cincinnati Bengals, and and we've seen them do things before in the past that really hasn't made a whole hell of a lot of sense. No, I, and I agree, and and that is a a fair point. But I, I'm st- I am holding true that I, I think that Burrow will be the the top pick, and until something else happens, I'm I'm, I'm sticking with that. But I think with Justin Herbert, I, I think his his goal throughout this process is to show that he is the safe quarterback. Tua's going to have the medicals. Jordan Love has so much potential, but it's all it's unrealized potential. It just is raw tools right now. And so if I'm Justin Herbert, I just need to show that I'm the safe guy. You know, I have the resume. I'm a four-year starter. I just I'm coming off uh, my senior year when I led my team to the Rose Bowl and the Pac-12 Championship and I go to the Senior Bowl MVP. Check that box. So I'm just going to go through every step, not trying to prove that I'm just the best out there. I just need to prove that maybe I'm a safe option and just eliminate doubt. And so when teams are sitting down, stacking that board, uh, and this the biggest thing will be during the interview process, uh, you know, just making sure that there are no issues there, not off the field, but on the field, reading coverages, uh, protections, everything like that, just making sure that he's very clean. When they sit down in a war room to stack the board, they're going to have, yeah, but, yeah, but, talking about Tua, talking about Jordan Love. With Herbert, it's going to be more, well, he's this, he's this. Well, why aren't we, why don't we have this guy higher? And so if I'm advising Justin Herbert, his mission for the next, you know, two months is just to prove that he is the safe option, the safe quarterback, and that could see him being drafted somewhere in the top seven picks. Let me ask you this, go guys. Okay, we start talking about, and this very much reminds me of the, and again, I'm going back in the day draft when 1998, when you had, uh, when you had Manning and you had Leaf, and people, we were all discussing this, and it's like, okay, who is the quarterback that you can win with now, and who is the quarterback you could potentially win with in the future? You know, and everybody was saying, well, if you want to win now, you, you draft, you draft Peyton Manning. You know, and and the guy with the maybe the upside there would be a Ryan Leaf. And I, I, I look, at, I look at, at Herbert and I say, you know what, here's a guy, a four-year starter, you know, you talk about checking off boxes and stuff like that and the safe pick and all that. To me, that's where I think teams, with especially investment at quarterback, you know, they're not looking so much for, okay, and I, and I, I get, you know, what Joe Burrow's done. You know, it, it's a shame that, and this is my alma mater I'm talking about, it's a shame we wasted his junior year. We should have figured this out a lot sooner than, you know, than, than what we did this year, you know. But I, I feel like, though, that if you're talking to me about a guy that's a, you know, four year starter, the accolades he has, if I'm evaluating him as a player on the field, he's an academic award winner off the field. You know, I feel like that he's smart. You talk about when that, those top picks, you're looking for guys that you, you feel like can't miss. Can't miss because all the intangibles, all the ability, everything tells you this is the guy. This is the safe guy. And I, and I like what you're saying there, but I, I think there's a lot to like about this guy just because of all the things that we've talked about him going through the process uh, so far. I think it's been a great start for him. And, and you know, I, I have a feeling that he's going to be one of those guys that people are going to say, well, maybe there's not as big as gap. Is between these quarterbacks, and he and he's and he's closed that with at least a good start here. Not only with his senior season, but then also with what he's done in this All Star game. Let's go to the other side of that conversation and talk about Jordan Love here for a minute, because I mentioned I, I thought he had a good week. I thought he was the best of the North quarterbacks. Which you know, Anthony Gordon was the other one there that, especially covering the Lions, I was really interested to see how he looked because I think there's a lot of things about his game that. Detroit would like in their offense but I thought Jordan Love was the best of those QBs but you also saw you know he had some of those throws especially in you know some of the seven on seven 11 on 11 sessions that make you a little concerned about how he's reading the field he threw a pick Thursday that I think it was Malik Harrison got him that is a pick or an incompletion probably nine out of ten times in the NFL uh, into bracket coverage over the middle I mean just some mistakes that you really don't want to see out of a guy and and maybe that's the the sit and learn type of option. Maybe that you don't worry about that as much because he's a guy you're drafting to play two, three years down the road. But I started with Dane last time. Maybe I'll go to you here, Brian. Uh, just you had any Jordan Love reactions this week? Yeah, you know, and it, you, it's I again. I'd seen him play against LSU this year earlier this year, and right. you know, and there was some interceptions there and things like that. And you know, you get in a situation where you're you're going against. Uh, you know, an offense that at not, you know, we were kind of learning about them along the way and end up being one of the best in college football. 
But I, I I do know this about Jordan Love. I I think there's a lot to work with there. I I I, tr- I love I love the talent here. I love. I think in this day and age, you have to have the ability to move. You have to be able to buy a second chance. You have to be able to get the ball down the field. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit there and say, okay, what about the intermediate stuff? What about the touch? You know, these are things that you're gonna have to really study in on him. You know, does we you talk about? Uh, is there that ability to take something off it? Is there ability to, to, to throw it with some pace? You know, can you make all the throws? I, but the athletic ability and all that, I, I think, is just tremendous to work with. And, I, you know, I'm, I, I, I thought it was really unfortunate for him in this game that they couldn't block anybody. You know, they just could not find a way to give him enough an opportunity to show what he can really do. Everything appeared to me that he was trying to throw – uh, you know, was forced. It was unfortunate in that game. You know, they had a should have had a pass interference call, wasn't made. But you know, his he just didn't get enough of a chance to show you what he's all about. And you go back and you have to watch the tape. And like we've all talked about, there's a lot of positive things about him throwing the ball, but there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of a lot of things that when you're evaluating quarterbacks, you're saying, okay, this has got to be better. We cannot have this mistake. And I, I think those are the things that people are really going to dig in on him and, and, and say, okay, that's, we can live with this, but we cannot live with these other things. Well, Dane, let me ask real quick, just uh, sort of on that point, how difficult does that make his evaluation? Because that's a lot of what we talked about during the season. Just there are the mistakes, but that offense struggled around him. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't have the playmakers he had last year. They were rebuilding some parts of it. Uh, And then the same thing Saturday, like Brian was just saying, you know, just the game didn't really give him the opportunity to open it up. So now we have a a full year where you're trying to get a feel for what's actually on him and what's on the the people around him, the play calls, all those things. So how much tougher does that make his evaluation? Right. And and it it goes back to the, is it, you know, we talking reasons or we talking excuses? It's just, it's hard to differentiate the two. And, you know, that's why I kind of was, Talking about with Herbert, just proving that he's the safe quarterback. You know, just eliminate the more doubt that you can eliminate uh, in your evaluation, the better off you are. Um, and with with Jordan Love, there's there's so much potential, so much so much hope uh, about what he can be. But I think there are some a f- there are a few things that you get hung up on uh, the interceptions. Um, I think the one thing that is going to be tough for him to uh, answer throughout the process is just his inconsistent decision making uh, as a passer. I, I don't think he has a great feel for the tempo within the relationship uh, between his his reads and the defense. You know, he'll uh, and, and that leads to in, inconsistent decisions, and that's just tough for him to really improve upon or show that you know he's he's better than what the tape showed. Uh, in the throughout this process, and, you know, maybe he'll be able to do that during the interviews uh, when he sits down with teams and kind of explains what he's seeing, what uh, why he made certain decisions, why he did this, and kind of explain. And that's that's the context that, unfortunately, us on the outside uh, we don't necessarily have. Um, and it's hopefully, if you're a team, you hope you can get enough of that context during the interview process where you can, you know, put fill in a few gaps, a few of those variables, you know, you can help answer some of those. So you have a better understanding of, of what he's going to be and feel better about your just over, overall evaluation of the players. So I, I thought that he in mobile, he didn't have a great week. He didn't have a bad week. He just, he was, he's had a solid week um, of practice not to get off him too much, but Anthony Gordon, I kind of, I agree with you. I, I thought it was a good opportunity for Gordon to show, you know, that he could be something. And I think we were kind of reminded that this guy has had, he started four years uh, at the quarterback position in his life. He didn't play until high school, started two years at the high school level, one year at JUCO, one year at Washington State. I mean, just his relative inexperience uh, is pretty staggering. Now he's got a live arm, quick release, you know, just can put the ball anywhere he wants uh, with, with his with his stroke. But I, you know, his footwork was off. His upper body, lower body mechanics were on different pages. And just he needs to have a better understanding of what he's seeing, and then you know when to pull the trigger. He just there's a lot of question marks with him. But I mean, overall, I think a lot of these quarterbacks they, they didn't have the weeks that maybe some of us had hoped going in. Especially with the North winning, Gordon had a case probably for the Senior Bowl MVP mm-hmm. award. Uh, threw a couple touchdowns. Sure, Herbert won it. Joshua Kelly. 
had a case as well, 105 yards. He didn't score, but that was a guy to shift off the quarterbacks a little. Joshua Kelly probably uh, helped himself quite a bit this week. I thought he had a really good week. That was, uh, you know, I he didn't necessarily change entirely my opinion of him in three days, but I thought he looked maybe more explosive than I'd given him credit for going in, especially we saw in practice uh, just those one cuts. He'd get through the hole with a really good burst. It happened over and over again during the week, and then, uh, like I said, a good game uh, on Saturday. So that was one of the guys that stood out for me. Uh, Dane, do you have any thoughts on sort of where his stock is coming out of the week or if there was anyone else who jumped out for you Saturday? Yeah, and, you know, it's tough with running backs at these all-star events, um, you know, because I think – for you sure. know, during practices and uh, it, it's really hard to get a gauge for, you know, because so much of the running back position is in the moment, vision, decision making, patience, things like that. But I do think that, you know, Kelly had a good week. He did a nice job catching the football, did OK in pass pro. Uh, he, he got beat a few times, but more than others held his own. Uh, but overall, I think the running back position was just kind of tough. You know, a player who I wanted to make sure we mentioned Adam Troutman from Dayton. I, I think the week that he had, I, I I legitimately think he has a chance to be the first player drafted his position. And I know that sounds very much like a hot take and uh, just kind of exaggerating based off of recency bias and what we just saw last week. But he, he's everything we saw on tape, he showed against top competition uh, at the Senior Bowl. Not many safeties were able to slow him down. He's very athletic as a route runner, very athletic at the catch point. Very good ball skills. I don't think there's a huge gap between Cole Komet and with what Adam Troutman offers. I mean, I think at the very wor- very least, I think he's secured tight end two status in this draft. And I think he, for, for some teams, might have uh, even overtaken Komet as the top guy. Yeah, I, I, you know, if when you watch the tape, and I know it's one kid's playing against, uh, you know, smaller competition, you know, as as commits playing against the USC's and people like that of the world, you know, but uh, Georgia's like that. I, I I thought Troutman was a better player on tape. I just you know, in in watching him play, I, I I don't you know, I know you were talking about some teams might see it that way. I yeah, I saw some things with Komet, the balance and things like that, catching the football, extending the hands and stuff. But I I thought that Troutman was a better overall player, and and I don't think it's far fetched for people to think that. At all. If, you know, everybody's talking about, well, Troutman could be the first tight end taken off the board. You know, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem with that just from what I've seen on tape so far. So, you know, good for him going to the senior bowl. Good for him at the practices, you know, the tight ends. I was kind of expecting a little bit of a show from these tight ends. Everybody, you know, down there, your guys have been talking about it a bunch. Uh, what these guys had done. You'd seen them in some of the practices, but it, it turned into me looked like that both teams were more interested in trying to run the football, you know, and especially when it got to the point where, you know, that uh, they, they couldn't get the protection that they needed. But I, I'm interested, you know, when we're talking about uh, these guys and stuff like that, I'm interested in your guys' thoughts of, of, of really, you know, who was the most complete? And you talked about it, Dane, earlier with Kelly and some of the things. How was Gibson? as a pass protector was there is there was he more of a complete back than what kelly was uh hasty anderson who who was the guy was there somebody that teams are going to fall in love with from what you saw with the pass protection because i i there was so many there's a lot of positive things about the way these guys ran the football and caught the ball i'm interested though in seeing who's the guy that teams can rely on in that pass blocking setup yeah and gibson he, he he did hold his own as as a blocker. I mean, he he has the size for it. I mean, at the weigh-ins, I know he was he looked good. He was over six foot. He two twenty three. Yeah, yeah. Good arm length, thirty one right. inch arms. I mean, he he looked the part, and I thought he played the part too. And he, you could tell he he's raw in that area. I mean, he wasn't asked to pass protect much in college, and you could tell. I mean, his right. technique was all over the place. He was lunging, but the the want to, the strength, that, that was all there. And so I think that's encouraging. I expected maybe a little bit more from him. But again, it's just, it's tough with these running backs, especially in, in pass pro drills like that. I mean, running backs are kind of set up to fail. The one-on-one's tough. Yeah, yeah it's tough. The, the linebackers have a, yeah, they, they've got a step of momentum. They're coming downhill. And so it is tough. And so I don't want to put too much on on a dot, on just on that, because it, again, it's something that Gibson wasn't asked to do a ton in college. 
But, uh, you know, I, I thought he he held his own for the most part. And so I, I think that, you know, he uh, it, opinions are split about whether or not he is your running back, is your receiver. You know, some some teams have him on the board as a, as a running back. Others see him more as a receiver, which is what he was uh, in college. And so there's a little bit of split opinion there. And I'm not sure we got a firm answer about whether he's one or the other down in Mobile. One thing I'll just mention real quick on Troutman before we completely get off him that uh, stood out for me, and you're talking about the jump up in competition. I think we just, from the athleticism, you had a feeling he'd be able to get open and make some plays. I thought his blocking yeah. was really impressive That's... in Mobile, too. But, you know, especially in those run blocking drills, he wiped out some guys on the edge, defensive ends, uh, edge guys really came down and and laid a lick on a few of those guys w- with some of those blocks. I thought he was really effective in that aspect, too, which was maybe the bigger question for him going in than whether or not he'd be able to get open. Um, but on the running backs, I mean, did you have a favorite down there, Dane? Oh, that, Kelly obviously had a good week, but was there anyone else, uh, just before we get off that, or anyone else among those guys who really stood out for you? Um, I thought Darius Anderson from TCU. Um, I, yeah. I, I really liked what he could do in space. Uh, there were a few times where, uh, you know, on some of those uh, screens and things like that, he would – uh, he he had the open field elusiveness where he could juke out the defender one on one in space. Um, I think he's comfortable catching the football. Um, I think Darius Anderson secured uh, himself as a day three uh, day three player and a guy that can can stick in the NFL uh, as a as a change of pace option, a, a guy that can make plays with the ball in his hands. So um, I don't. Brian, was there any running back for you that you saw uh, watching these practices? Yeah, but that's what I was asking about Gibson and stuff like that. You know, it's always better the live look than me listening to some guys in commentary, you know, from a booth tell me about what's going on. So I appreciate you guys being there and being part of that. I, I, you know, the Pirine kid was interesting to me, the way he was running the football. And I don't really, you know, to me, need to study him a lot more and kind of figure some things out. But I, I was, I felt like all these backs ran the ball with some toughness. I thought they showed toughness. I thought they showed some balance. I thought a lot of these guys showed a lot of finish in the way that they were able to run the ball. So, you know, it's uh, we, we, we're in this day and age where we, we fight about should you draft a running back high? Does a running back have to be a first-round guy? Or the, you know, is it, you know, uh, is Ezekiel, do you have to pick a guy fourth overall? You know, do you have to pick Barkley, you know, the way the, as high as you did? You know, so I, I think these, you know, the more running backs that can do the complete things, you know, the more likely teams will say, well, maybe we don't need uh, that first round running back. Maybe we can, you know, maybe we can look at one of these guys like a Kelly, a Gibson, uh, Anderson, somebody like that, P. Ryan, somebody like that to kind of fill the bill, uh, you know, uh, in your offense. And, and you can use those uh, premium picks for for other positions. So always looking for that kind of guy uh, when I have the opportunity to. I still like Eno Benjamin, too. I mm. thought he ran some nice routes. Uh, I don't know if he's ever going to be a 300-carry guy like he was two years ago, but uh, I thought he did some nice things as a receiver, and he caught a ton of passes in college, so maybe you're uh, complimentary back there. Um, just on the game Saturday, I mean, we sort of touched on it a little bit. The offensive tackles in particular really uh, – struggled which i guess you just to be expected <laughs> to some point yeah but what we're uh, talking about maybe we maybe we should have talked more about these defensive ends you know sure, maybe yeah. we should have talked more about robinson and hill and guys like that and but uh you know i i mean i to me i i'm looking at these defensive ends and i'm thinking like i, I wouldn't expect in that i was expecting you know uh you know these these linemen to hold up a little bit better but it it was just you know it was uh it was a nightmare for these guys to have to block these edge rushers. And so, uh, you know, that that's something if you're looking for these down-the-line offensive tackles, especially if you're kind of looking at the senior bowl as a possibility, I think you have to go back and say, okay, did we see this type of, you know, problems uh, when we were watching these tapes of these kids play? Because uh, they they clearly were overmatched in a lot of different areas. Really, I felt like on, on both sides to the, uh, both sides of, for both teams, put it that way. Well, unfortunately, some of these tackles uh, had to pull, you know, Auburn kid, uh, take a Winogo was medically red flag. Yeah. He's a good player. Trey Adams from yeah. Washington, uh hamstring issue. Wasn't able to be there. So unfortunately, yeah, there, there are several of these seniors who unfortunately didn't get a chance to see. And so we were left with, you know, a guy like Alex Taylor from South Carolina state who, 
has potential. Uh, he's just he's so raw. I mean, he's coming from the FCS level. Needs to get stronger in his lower body. He's huge. He's 6'8". He's got a huge wingspan, but he's still kind of discovering how to play the position. I don't understand the love for Terrence Steele, tackle from Texas Tech. Um, I I just don't see it. I, 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 he is a late-round draft pick at best to me. I, some people thought he had a good week. I don't know. I, I, I did not see it with him. I, yeah, but I think a lot of these tackles struggled. But to your point... Uh, Brian, uh, this pass rushers, it was a good group, right? <laughs> Bradley and I, he was, he was terrific on, on, uh, rushing the passer, but he, he was one of the guys I wrote about as someone that made money. Um, cause he's not going to test off the charts. He doesn't have long arms. Um, so some of these things he's not going to hit, but he's Utah's all time leading sack artist. Uh, he's a guy that consistently productive. Uh, he relies a lot on that first step. But if he hit, gets that first step, he is a terror to deal with uh, as an edge edge blocker. So, uh, yeah, he definitely helped himself this week uh, w- with uh, the week of practice and then in the game. Well, I, I think the other thing about him, too, is you mentioned he's probably not going to blow up the combine. But I thought we saw a pretty wide-ranging bag of tricks when he was pat- rushing the passer. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always some guys that you're sort of teaching how to use their hands and trying to figure out exactly, you know, if they if the speed rush is in there, what do you do with them? Or if the power rush is in there, what do you do? And I thought he had a lot of uh counter moves, a lot of a lot of good work with his hands too to get free, which is uh at least something to build on as you get to the next level. And then obviously, yeah, he had a huge game. Uh what Al- Kenny Alton Robinson had a couple sacks. Kenny Kenny Willickis had a couple sacks. Um Robinson's an interesting one. I feel like we didn't talk about him that much leading no. up to the Senior Bowl or or last week. And I don't know where where do you guys fall on him? He needed a good week. He did not have a good senior season. He had a little bit of a little bit of hype coming into the year because he had such a good junior season. Um, but I don't know. I, he just did not have a great senior year. He had uh, as a junior, he had ten sacks. As a senior, he had four and a half. And I, I know you know the stats can lie and you know they're not the whole whole story but his tape kind of matched up with that he just wasn't as effective and so i think he's got a decent first step he has active hands um i I think he's very limited with his upper body power i I did not give him a very high grade um i know there are some people that are excited about him maybe as a a top 100 player but i think that his game has some limitations uh both as a rusher and a run stopper and i think the week of practice really showed that uh he, he was Stuck the blocks way too much. Now in the game, give him credit. He he did flash. Um, but I think Alton Robinson is he's more of a day three pick. Uh, you know, a pass rusher you can bring in and um, you know maybe can be something. You mentioned Kenny Willickis, who uh, he's going to be one that you just uh, kind of like a nigh where you he's not going to test well. You know, he might run the four nines. Uh, he doesn't have long arms, but he's a guy that just he understands how to get there, get home. And his motor runs hot, uh, nonstop. And his story is is awesome. Being a former walk on and you know you know turning himself into something just based off of sure determination. And that's how he gets to the quarterback. Just he's, he's determined. Uh, that and that competitive drive gets him there. Now. That can work in the Big Ten. Uh, now, can that work in the NFL against uh, you know NFL level tackle play? That's that's a different question. So, um, I, I don't think Willikis is going to be a top one hundred guy because he's just there are too many things working against him. But he showed those flashes uh, during the Senior Bowl week and in the game why he's going to be drafted somewhere on day three and you know could end up being a steal at that point. Well, you're talking. You guys mentioned Strobridge, mm-hmm. the kid from North Carolina, and I talked to some scouts about him because I was curious of like, okay, how does a guy like this, you know, rise and stuff? I had not seen him on tape, and I'm still waiting on North Carolina tape to kind of get that squared up. But uh, you know, scouts were saying that if you watch him in North Carolina, really restricted in the way he played, played him like as a four eye, played him as an inside technique. And every ball, the scouts are like, if you play him on the outside, this is why you see what you see. Because he's a better space player, and the fact that the scheme at North Carolina restricted him and his ability to to really shine. So he says, you're finally seeing him play a position that's naturally, or play in a scheme or a technique that is uh, more conducive to his style of play. So you guys were on that really uh, very early in, in at there at the at the, the Senior Bowl. And I, I just was curious, and scouts to a man were like, listen, you watch him play at North Carolina, it's a bunch of four-eye, he gets trapped down inside, he needs to be in space, he needs to play wide, and that's why he's going to have the success. And people will play him 
like they're like he's supposed to be played and use him uh, in that way so he can he can be effective. Agree. Yeah, Strobridge had a, a really nice week. It, all right, can I can I can I make a request? Can we get to these receivers? I, I've been I'm chomping at the bit to, to talk the the best position I thought we saw all week was the, the receivers. Yep. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out to you guys, uh, you know, Chris and Brian. Don't give me a couple names. I want one name. Who is the best receiver? Uh, maybe not you know the guy that's gonna be the first drafted, but just the who had the which receiver had the best week of practice that you saw? Uh, Chris, I'll start with you and then go to Brian. I think the name I keep coming back to is Colin Johnson uh, from Texas, which is dominant on some of the balls in the air. And I also thought, you know, you see some of the physicality and other aspects of his game that um, screen pass touchdown early in the senior bowl. Damian Lewis was out there, wiped out the entire linebacking core. But uh, I think it was Colin Johnson on the outside was, you know, 15, yeah, 20 nice yards block downfield. Yeah, nice block on the edge. Yeah, absolutely. Up. Uh, so you get, get some of that from him too. But I, I thought he was really tough for – uh, defensive backs to handle this week. I thought he got off the line a little better, even than I expected him to. So that was that was probably the guy for me that really jumped out all week. I didn't know a whole hell of a lot about Michael Pittman. That was my my thing right there. And I, I you know I was really impressed with his the the size and him his ability to go get the football and his ability to run routes. I'm thinking these big guys. Sometimes we get into a mode where like. Uh, you know, you just you focus so much on the measurables and then you don't you, you you say, OK, well, how do they finish? How do they get open? And I think to me that Pittman was one of those guys that was really that stood out to me and, and, and makes me excited uh, to want to study him some more. Again, I know Scott and his father, how tough his dad was. I'm sure his sons carried into that, uh, carried over as well. But I, I was I was fascinated by a guy that big and the ability to, to make the plays the way he was able to do that. Yeah, and I mean I agree with both of you guys. I mean Colin Johnson he showed why he was the top senior receiver um, in the summer. I mean t- talking to scouts, to, uh, national NFS that that was their highest rated senior receiver. Um, he was my top ranked senior receiver. I mean he reminded people why. Um, and then Pittman I, after the senior year that he had, I mean he really. Uh, solidified himself as a day two guy. And then the question is just how high is he going to go? Is he top 60, top 50? I mean, he, and he had a good week, just not the most dynamic player, but he's quick enough where he can detach at the top, top of routes. He's very physical at the catch point. I mean, a lot of what you said, Brian, um, I think that fits. I, for me, I I think I have to go Denzel Mims. Um, I, and this is a player that I, look, he on tape he passes the eye test. He's tall, slender athlete, uh, very good straight line player. Former track background in high school. Um, he he was at his best when he can not really have to think about routes. You know, he was a lot of one cut. So you know, slants, posts, goes. Um, you know, just things where he just can be an athlete. And you know, he would often use that his long arms to snatch away from his body. Um, but he's a guy that. I had questions about, well, okay, what happens when you put a defender in his face and he has to get off press? What do you, you know, what, what is going to happen when you have to add some limbs to that route tree? And he has to be a little more dynamic uh, at the, at the break point. And that's something that he was able to show this week. Uh, he did a really an impressive job getting off press with his quickness, uh, using his hands, uh, did a really nice job showing a little bit of sync at the top of his routes to, uh, you know, break off, showing a little bit of deception. So it's something that you could tell he's been working on uh, since the Baylor season ended and when the senior bowl started, he really put some work into improving those routes and showing that he's more than just a, a tall, long athlete out there. So I think Denzel Mims certainly helped himself. Um, I don't, I have no clue how all these receivers are going to get into the top 100 picks. I and mean, there's like 25 of them. I have no clue how it's going to happen when on average there's about 12 and a half receivers that go top 100. So I, I don't yeah. know how we're all going to find spots for these guys. Um, we, you know, we're not. They, some guys are going to have the discount sticker in the fourth round. But Denzel Mims, I yeah. would be pretty surprised if he gets out of the top 100. Well, you're going to look at two a situation. You might get a, a point in the draft where you get a run where all of a oh, sudden yeah. it's like these guys have got, they've got them all stacked in there. And then you might see a run of, of maybe uh, three of the next five picks or wide receivers, you know, that kind of thing, because people tend to kind of say, okay, they can't uh, differentiate between the two receivers because they'll say, okay, well, this one has size. 
This one has ball skills. This one's a good blocker. This one can help us on special teams. I mean, they're going to be guys and to still build part of sales line stacked in there like club sandwiches. And, you know, and that's where I feel like that, you know, when you start talking about the, the top 100 and stuff, you know, maybe that people will, you, you talk about the, the value sticker on them in third, fourth rounds is because they, they said, well, this thing will stretch, this stretch, we'll be able to get that guy. But I have a feeling there'll be more of a run on some of these guys and some, there'll be pockets of this where I can say three of the next five picks will be uh, wide receivers and until every, you know, but it, it is one of those places where you can go down there and it's like going to wide receivers are us and shop and get one and, you know, and, 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 and get you the type of guy that you want that fits the skill set uh, that uh, is, is best suited for uh, how your team uh, uh, does operate scheme wise. Cornerback play was not very good yeah. at, 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 down in Mobile. And so I think that it, that set it up for these receivers to look really good. I mean, Van Jefferson, Chase Claypool. I mean, the, the list goes on at the receiver play. Uh, but I think it is fair to point out that I did not think the cornerback play uh, was really up to snuff. And, you know, the top, I think my top five senior corners, none of them were there. So, I mean, it really wasn't a huge surprise, but that definitely played a part in, I think, us being so uh, impressed with this receiver group. Yeah, well, I, I did. I sort of wanted to merge a couple topics here real quick because I think Chase, Chase Claypool was a guy that we've talked about on the show before. You wrote about back in September, mm-hmm. Dane. Um, but uh, there were two other Notre Dame guys down there who talked about the corner, cornerbacks not being great. And, and I think uh, Troy Pride probably was the best of the cornerbacks. Yeah. And I think Jalen Elliott had one of the better weeks at safety. So three Notre Dame guys uh, that definitely caught my eye down there. I know you have two of them listed on your – uh, Pride and Elliott listed on your 14 prospects who made money down in Mobile. So maybe I'll transition us into defensive backs there. But I wanted to get your thoughts on Claypool real quick because he's another member of that class, another big body, a guy who can win on the outside. What do you think of his week down there? Well, and I talked about how Mims, you could tell he really worked on his, his routes between the end of the season and now. And I think the same is true for Claypool. Um, yeah, he, he showed a little more uh, nuance in what he was doing out there. And so that was impressive to see. Uh, another guy who I have no clue how we're fitting all these guys in the top 100, but I'd be shocked if he fell out of the top 100. I, I, at this point, I'd be kind of surprised he fell out of the top 75. So it's it's just really, really going to be fascinating with these receivers, um, you know, where that run's going to be. And, um, and this is why I've mentioned uh, in the past, uh, you know, I, I get a lot of uh, even, even, you know, back during the season. And even now I get feedback from fans saying, you know, how could you possibly have Jerry Judy outside the top 10? And, you know, I, there are going to be a lot of teams, and I've mentioned this before, we're going to see a lot of teams look at the receivers in the top 10, top 15 and say, yeah, I'm going to get my tackle here. or I'm going to get my pass rusher because I, I feel great about the receivers that I can get on day two. And I love Jerry Judy. I love C.D. Lamb. I love some of these guys at the top. But it's less about them and more about filling a, a, a more important position on my roster and still being able to get a quality receiver on day two. And part of that are, you know, guys like Chase Claypool and, and these guys that have, you know, really helped themselves uh, so far throughout the process and I think will continue to help themselves at the combine. So it's just it, it is such a crowded group. It, it's going to be a lot of fun to debate these guys throughout the process and try to stack them where you feel comfortable and there'll be no consensus and that'll make it fun when we kind of debate these guys. That's where I think this is all going to in the, the debate of where, of how you stack these guys is going to be the, the part that's going to have a lot of guys, uh, you know, the, the media scouts that we are uh, that, you know, okay, what's your top 10, you know, and, and as you go down, I guarantee you each one of us will have a different top 10. Mm-hmm. It, it might be the same names, but it might be in a different order, a, a lot different order. And I think that's one of the things that you have to appreciate about this position is that, okay, that there is no real consensus. You might say, okay, well, this is the best one. And then from here on, let's try and figure out two through two through 10 and go from there. And there might not be a lot of separation, but the names will be, I have a feeling it'd be one of those things where you just where we get down to the end of it, 
it's like, okay, give me your 10. And it's not going to be the same for anyone that, uh, that we, uh, that we talk about or talk to about our, our list. And Chris, you mentioned the, the Notre Dame DBs real quick. Yeah. Troy, I agree. Troy pride was the best, uh, corner, or at least the most consistent. And he's a, he's a big time athlete. Uh, he's competitive. And so uh, that wasn't entirely surprising. Now on tape, you watch him and spacing issues up and down the field. And, you know, you really worry about the awareness and things like that, but uh, down here, uh, when he was just asked to play man to man, because that's what he is—he is a man to man guy. Um, and you, you did see the difference uh, when he was play, asked to play off. Um, you know, Dane Jackson from Pitt had an up and down week. He had his moments for sure, but yeah, he's 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 so grabby and he able to get off balance too quickly. Um, that that really bugged, and that that bugged me on his his Pitt tape. And that's that was that was something that really stood out. You know, he was a guy that I kind of uh, talked about. I was interested in watching. Does he is he a guy when you watch him on tape? Again, I'm kind of banging through some of these corners. I just got done with this, the Gladney kid from TCU. But well, let me ask you this: Is does he lack catch up speed? Because there was there was times when I was thinking in the practices where he was mm-hmm. able to catch up, and then in the game, it did, I just didn't see it. I saw him never really, never really drive, and I, I mean not drive. For, I mean, drive play backwards and then go to the ball. I just felt like there was always space with him, mm-hmm. you know, when, in in coverage. Is that is that the type of player that he is? Yeah, I think so, and that's why we see him uh, grabbing so much. I mean, he was a flag magnet. I right. can't, can't remember which tape it was, but he had like three plays in a matter of like six uh, different plays uh, where he was he was flagged for holding or, or, or a PI and he's just that that's kind of right. part of his game and it part of it is because he he doesn't he doesn't have that elite speed uh, now he's very quick uh, his foot quickness his agility uh, yeah. he's able to transition pretty pretty well but uh, not a guy that's just a true burner um, and it is unfortunate we didn't get a chance to see uh, Gladney, who you just mentioned, or Damon Arnett, or uh, Fulton, right. or Diggs, or some of these other senior corners who would have been really a- able to challenge uh, uh, these receivers. Uh, in real oh, quick. I'd have loved to see. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it would Go have ahead, been. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it, it would have been great. I, I did want to mention Jalen Elliott, who Chris mentioned. Um, he he was one of the few safeties who was able to lock up Troutman. Um, I posted a few just watching the practice tape. I, I posted a, a video on that. Uh, my my recap of one of the plays where he was able to do that. I mean, he he's another guy who you know a lot of people had. Uh, Aloe Gilman, his uh, his teammate, uh, the safety from Notre Dame, as maybe the better prospect, but. Elliot made a pretty strong case during Senior Bowl week that uh, he, in fact, is the better player. So, uh, kind of sending scouts back to the to the tape, uh, the Notre Dame tape, to figure out or, okay what is the truth here. Is he a four five nine guy, Dane? I mean, when you watch him play, is he that yeah, type of player? Yeah, but I mean, if you're asking him to cover receivers, it's not going to end well. But if you're asking him to cover tight ends, no. I think he showed when he would he one on one against a guy like Troutman. I think he showed that he can hold his own and and be more than right. You know, just a guy that's going to be a box player. Well, I also mentioned a couple more names because you said the cornerback play wasn't great down there. I think universally that was probably true. I thought AJ Green had a decent week. And uh, Lamar Jackson, not to just steal all the guys who have NFL names, but uh, <laughs> Lamar Jackson's interesting just because of the size. And I think when he got an opportunity to play uh, press coverage in some of those one-on-one drills, receivers had a really good. hard time yeah. getting past yeah. him. He was he tossed some guys even into the sideline. I mean, he, he probably getting flagged sometimes in the NFL for what he was doing there, but uh, really physical and uses that that length and that heights. We don't see a lot of cornerbacks with. You know, in the six three, six four range, so that would be interesting to kind of track. But I thought he looked very physical, sort of lived up to the billing there uh, when he was out at practice, at least. Yeah, no, I I felt like he played pretty well in the game too. I, I liked, you know, there was a couple times he came up and had to make some plays and things like that. I, yeah, anything, any type of a, a cornerback that's got some length to him, you know, I think that that's what these uh, these teams in this day and age or, or these teams are looking for. Is that type of guy that's got the ability, got the reach, got the ability to play the ball with the offhand stuff like that? So I think Jackson uh, actually showed up pretty well in this game for uh, for himself. And one other uh, DB I did want to mention is Terrell Burgess from Utah, who got some reps at corner, got some reps at safety during practice. Uh, you know, he is 
kind of like what he showed on tape this year at Utah. He he's a little bit of a tweener, uh, cornerback safety, but you know those guys. There's, there's a fine line between tweener and you know nickel, or uh, you know it just uh, it can be a valuable defender because of his ability to hold up in coverage. And so I thought he he showed exactly what he showed on the Utah tape, which is good to see. You know you want. You want to you want to confirm what you saw throughout the season. I thought Terrell Burgess did. I think he's got a chance to uh, to be a top 100 draft pick uh, for a team looking for a versatile safety who can drop down, cover the slot receiver, play on nickel, uh, and just be an, an every down type of defender. I'll mention again here real quick, uh, if you haven't picked up an athletic subscription, you can head over to theathletic.com slash prospects to pros. Get one for 40% off. That uh, is $2.99 a month. I was going to say the price of a cup of coffee, but that's like a medium house blend. <laughs> if you're going up to the fancy coffee, you're not even getting there for yeah, $2.99. Not even so. close. Not close. <laughs> uh, so get there, $2.99 per month. Uh, again, that's 40% off. You get Dane's draft guide, which launch comes down in, in April is, uh, as I tweeted and, and said earlier, is just the, is worth the price of the subscription on its own. Get access to all of our podcasts get, and everything at theathletic.com. Uh, kind of approaching the hour mark here. So I wanted to get wrapping up, but I just was curious. There were some, uh, grumblings early in the week about sort of how practices were structured out there. And I was curious about it because it was something I had to dig on a little bit uh, covering the Lions, and they obviously had one of the teams. A lot of special teams work, a lot of uh, you know sort of individual positional work. Still still got the one-on-ones, still got the seven-on-sevens, the 11-on-elevens. Didn't, uh, Dane being down there or Brian uh, obviously uh, checking it out with the film and, uh, and on TV, uh, any Thoughts or complaints about sort of how things were structured down there? Did you get enough of what you were hoping to see over the course of three days? I, I think it's, I don't know. I, I've been going down there long enough where I feel like people complain about it every year, regardless of what happens. So <laughs> Yeah, I, that's that's exactly what I agree. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think Brian, every year you're going to get that complaint. A, a lot longer than I have. So, I mean, is, it, yeah. is this something that stretches yeah. back? Oh, no. It goes way, way, way back. And, you know, there's uh, – there's always been everybody in the league is going to complain one way or another. Ted Thompson used to catch a lot of grief about the combine, the drills, Duke Bab. Those guys always caught uh, questions about why are we doing it this way? Why it's always been this way? Why are we you know? So yeah, you're always going to get guys to that complain uh, about uh, how practice is structured, how practice looks. Why is there not more hitting? Why is there you know? I mean. Heck, if you go out and watch an NFL practice nowadays, they don't hit each other anyway. They don't. I mean, there's a lot of individual. There's a little bit of teamwork. I mean, it's this is the way NFL teams practice. Trust me, I watch it. I you know watch them every day, and uh, you know it's uh, you know you you can't make everybody completely happy. You you do your best you can to try and make uh, the practices to showcase uh, you know what the players can do. And you know I again, you guys were there live. I, I, I've been there a lot over the years. I, I just feel like that that just getting to watch practice, watching these kids work with pro coaching, whether it's drills or teamwork or whatever, I, I think it's just a huge benefit. And we all just need to just like shut our mouth and just kind of evaluate what we see, go forward and, and then, you know, use this part of the process uh, to evaluate these guys. You know, you're going to have the combine, you're going to have the tape, you're going to have the medicals, you're going to have rechecks, you're going to have pro days. There's plenty of opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, get uh, the best evaluation you can. The ones that are good at it continue to be good at it. The ones that suck will be doing radio with me. So that's how that works. Uh, uh, Go ahead. Yeah, I just I wrote about mentioned it a couple times last week. Brian, you said it was it looked a lot, you know, looks like what NFL practices look like. People kept coming up to me and say, "Is this is this what it is? Is normal in Detroit? Is this how they run practices? They ran their." That was their exact practice. They ran three days oh, no. of their yeah, exact absolutely. practice. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, they, they, yeah. and probably the meetings were similar. I think the the goal there was they just came down with the, they didn't want to change a ton of what they were doing. They added sure. in, you know, they had a new defensive coordinator, a new special teams coordinator. So this was almost like a like a mini camp for them, like a dry right. run for the coaching staff. It went down there and they just ran their three days. And that for the players' perspective, I mean. I, I will say I didn't hear any complaints from the players. I think they got the chance to kind of experience what it's like to be in an NFL program for three week or three, four, five days, which is kind of the point. But yeah, like I said, I it was something that I'd heard, especially early in the week. I thought the Thursday practice actually was 
both of them were pretty up-tempo and, and active, but uh, early in the week, uh, Tuesday especially, people, you know, sort of hear the complaints uh, at, the, at the end of practice about just the pace of things and, and sort of what drills we're running. So I wanted to get a kind of more of an outside well, perspective from you guys. Yeah, and then, and, then there, and then you'll get people who say, well, there's a reason why the Bengals and the Lions lost as many games as they <laughs> yeah. did because they practice like this. You know, and that's and that's the again the National Football League. We we like to uh, a talk off the record, and b uh, also complain about every single thing known uh, to to our game. And you know, instead of just focusing on okay, what can I get out of this practice? You know, what do I need to to further my study of these players? Uh, all, these teams do things differently. And again, I went on a little bit of a rant there, but it's true. We just need to focus on. The players and not focus on on oh well I didn't see this because last year I saw this and I saw that <laughs> and you know and, and it's just you know we all just need to shut our mouth and go forward. Any uh, final thoughts from you guys as we move out of Senior Bowl week? Now we got the Super Bowl obviously this week, but then uh, you know just a few weeks now until uh, everyone heads to Indianapolis for the combine and another plug for the athletic we'll have we had a ton of people down at the senior bowl we'll have i think even more at the combine next month uh, so make sure you keep checking out our coverage but any final thoughts uh day and i so start with you is there anything that really jumped out for you this week or that uh you know you'll kind of carry forward here for the next two three months yeah i think we hit the high notes um with the guys that really stood out um really uh, what i want to know from you chris is the best meal that you had in mobile w- what was it <laughs> He's trying to get you uh, to see that barbecue place, Chris. Don't do it. There's that German place that's downtown you need to go to. That's that's uh, the place. I always go to the uh, what's the name? It's the I always go to the same seafood place down there. Um, Felix's. It's not Felix's. Yeah, yes. that's always a pretty good go-to meal for me. I, I, uh, I went to them for the first time this trip, and wow, best seafood meal I've ever had. Uh, so I, I'm with you there. It's a cool little setting there, like out on the causeway, out on the water, mm-hmm. you know, overlooking uh, everything you can see into downtown Mobile. So that's always a, a good go-to for me. But there are there's uh, more like in the downtown Mobile area too. Yeah, than I there remember, you go. Even a few years go. ago, like I, I like getting down there and, and checking out some of the stuff. So yeah. Uh, what about that was your best meal too, Felix's? Oh yeah, or do yeah. You have somewhere that, else that you no, no, he's gonna eat. No, he found bar. He went to some barbecue <laughs> place. That was it. Mo's. Yeah, what well, was the barbecue choice? Mo- he Mo's, ate there Mo's every barbecue. night. Every night, Why they let him get like in the kitchen thing? one night. No, you got in the kitchen one night, and you was like, you know, you put on an apron, and you know, and you had the uh, number two pencil behind your ear, like that coach in Detroit, you know, and you're taking orders and <laughs> and slathering ribs. You know, that's what you're doing. Hey, there's that's nothing. You know, the, there's you know, nothing wrong with that. Moe's is a good good spot, but no, I honestly, the best meal I had down there was uh, was Felix's. I mean, the crab, the the fish, it was. It was it was outstanding. Um, uh, that I was really. Did you come out of your pocket on that one? You came out of your pocket on that one? Uh, I did not. I will. I. Oh, we, we okay. Can, I just was curious. Um, that's but, expense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got you. But, I got you. You no, need to sell some more subscriptions here, huh? In all in all seriousness, I uh, did want to give a shout out to Jim Nagy and his staff for yeah, put, putting that's together I was going. another yeah. strong yeah. strong week. I mean, this is year round thing for them. The scouting to get the right players there, uh, and then all the things they some of the stuff they do in the community and you know outside of the football is really impressive. So credit to uh, Jim Nagy and his staff for what they were able to put together. Yeah, that's where I was going to go, guys, is the fact that, you know, this is, uh, you know, Phil Savage did a lot of really nice things for the Senior Bowl. I think the, the people in Mobile, they embrace this game they have for over 70 years. And, you know, it's always been a real treat to go down there. I never looked at that as a burden. I never looked at that like as, oh, geez, we got to go to Indianapolis again, that kind of, or excuse me, to Mobile again. Uh, it was always a lot of fun for me to be a part of that. Again, the community embraces it. I love the fact that the weather was really good for them once again, uh, you know, to get the evaluation. I thought it was a good week overall. The talent level seems to be, you know, they're going to struggle with that at times because some guys, when agents get involved, and I'm sorry for any agents that are listening, you guys are, and gals are good people, but they, you know, maybe some of these kids that should play are not are told not to play. And I think that's a problem. But I think Jim, the staff, you know, they treat this like a, a, a scouting mission for a year. You know, they're evaluating players. It's like they're drafting players. And they, they do a great job of bringing the best players they can into 
uh, mobile and then let the NFL coaches work with it. I, I think it's a great combination. of It's a great way to start off, in my opinion, the, uh, the draft season. And, you know, the things that we saw in mobile, you know, we can kind of carry on and maybe some people that we have to go back and look at some tape on and kind of figure out a little bit differently. And the players are going to take a little bit of a break and then kind of say, okay, let's get into this full thing and get ready for the combine. So uh, it's always just a really, really good start. Again, uh, Jim Nagy and the staff do a great job there. And I'm, I'm always, uh, always pleased to be a part of something like that. Yeah, and they had a good crowd for that game. I had uh, I wasn't there for it, but it looked like the new little Mardi Gras parade that they threw for the players was was cool. Oh, yeah. They had the concert downtown yeah. with thousands of people. So and it was yeah. a cool week. And fans always can come out, watch those practices for free. I mean, we were mentioned Thursday. We went over to South Alabama's indoor facility because it was pouring rain all day, and there were fans standing like outside the walls, outside the gates with their you know, umbrellas, watching from the hilltop just trying to get a glimpse of practices right people are very invested in watching these guys and how their you know favorite college prospects are going to progress and how you know their nfl teams might draft so there's always people out there and it's kind of cool just to see everyone uh you know the fans and the scouts and the nfl gms and the coaches everyone just in the same place for three four days it's it's always really a really cool trip all right, guys. Well, covered a lot of ground there, and as we did last week again. If you hadn't, if you missed our shows last week, uh, Brian and Dane previewed the Senior Bowl, and then we talked Thursday about the first couple of days of practice. You can circle back and get those. Uh, I'll mention one more time: theathletic.com/slash/prospects-to-pros, forty percent off a subscription. Plus, you get access to Dane's draft guide when that comes out in April. That's for subscribers only. You can't. Uh, used to be able to purchase that directly from Dane. I think mm-hmm. if I'm remembering right. And, oh uh, no! Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> no more. Can't do that. And he's taking. Yeah, no more. He's. I tell you, worth the. It's worth the price of subscription. Absolutely, all the great content you get. You mentioned the the, the Kobe Bryant stories and stuff that are going yeah. on on the site, and you know, but to to get the beast, the be you know, to get that and have that in your hand as we work through those three days of that NFL draft is invaluable. You you will learn about the players. You will learn about them in a way that you never have before. We talk about them every day. But this is so much of an insight to what goes on, background, you know, things you learn, medical, you know, uh, family members, all kinds of little tidbits of information that will make you a much smarter drafter. So uh, I am all for the beast, and that's exactly why you should get a subscription to The Athletic. I concur. Yeah, and again, thanks to everyone who uh, <laughs> thanks to everyone who did pick up a subscription uh, last week off our show, and hope you continue to do that, continue to enjoy the what we bring to you here on the Prospects to Pros podcast. Uh, and uh, I guess we'll wrap up there. So for our producer, Kent Garrison, for Brian Broadus and Dane Brugler, I'm Chris Burke. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.